You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, you can tell the content is starting to run dry because all the content is starting to bump into, uh, we're all starting to bump into one another. I mentioned yesterday how I have all these tabs open and I haven't really gotten into finding out what everybody's talking about. And so I, uh, you know, I, I ended the podcast yesterday. I was a couple different, talking about a few different things or whatever, but I talked about how, you know, Rich Eisen seemed to be really upset about the whole Rodgers thing. And then on the uh, other podcast talking about, you know, here is the full breakdown on my thoughts on why we need to move forward or whatever. I'm like, all right, so let's get into a couple of these things here. I go upstairs, I'm trying to get some chores done, getting some some pizza sauce ready and whatnot. And so everybody had been ranting and raving about uh, Andy Herman's podcast that he did about probably 24 hours before I did mine. And it was basically a top-to-bottom uh, thesis on why the Packers should move on. And it's like point by point, like, oh my goodness, everybody's going to think I just ripped him off. <laughs> like, all right, well, that's cool. So then I go listen to Clayton's podcast, and he's talking about Rich Eisen. <laughs> exact same thing. It's like, oh my... I don't have a shred of uh, unique content here, do I? By the way, really enjoyed uh, what Clayton had to say on multiple different topics, so make sure you go check that out for sure. But another one of the things that I've been putting off for a long time is this video by Kyle Brandt. Um, Now, I had um, been planning on doing this for a while. I told pretty much everybody that I would do this live on the show. I don't think I'm going to do that because I don't know. I started going through it live already, and then I ended up just kind of deleting it because it's like, I, I don't think we need to go point by point on this. Even even though I told people I would, I don't think so. But again, just for the sake of making sure we're very clear on certain things, because I know this Kyle Brandt thing kind of blew up. If you don't know, and I'm, I'm uh, two minutes through the two minutes and 10 seconds into the five minute and 49 second video. So I kind of am doing it live, kind of not. But everybody kind of told me like, no, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, it's totally fine. And so it kind of got to the point where it was like, well, then what's the point of going through it live? There's a lot of things to cover without going through a video that isn't that interesting. But again, just for the sake of uh, making sure we're all on the same page, the, the very first point, well, the, the first first point Kyle Brandt brought up was 
he was worried about some Packer fans who were saying things like, thank goodness Aaron Rodgers is gone. We can finally get the Ferrari out of the garage. That is Jordan Love. Yeah. That's, that's a little crazy. <laughs> and I'll admit, I haven't even heard anything like that. So for him to apparently just tune into something, and maybe this is AM radio stuff, I don't know. No idea. But yeah, that, that, um, that's a fair caution that I would also hand out. If, if that hasn't been established at this point, I feel like every day now I've said he might be garbage. I have no idea. None of us do. And and to, to, to expand on that, to say to finally get the Ferrari out of the garage, like, I mean, admittedly, Rogers had a, a bad year last year, but I mean, we've had a Ferrari for a long time. <laughs> finally, we could take the cool car out. Like, well, okay. It's a weird comment. He, he's... Claims he heard it. I don't know. I've never heard anyone say anything like that. But here's here's the other. The, the, the next thing he's talking about is how there are people, and he's essentially talking about me, there are adults with families that have never really not had a Hall of Fame quarterback. And that's kind of true, but he takes it a little bit too far, saying you don't know what it's like to even have a 7.5 or an 8.5 out of 10 quarterback ever. That is entirely untrue. We just had 2022. The amount of times I've had to say, what about 2022? is kind of shocking to me because it's, you know, the most recent season. And, and you know, again, the, the, there's this weird thing that keeps happening where it's like what you need to do with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, by the way, because it's true with Brett Favre too, he had a lot of bad seasons. The only thing you can do is summarize their career and then apply it to every single year of their career. That is to say, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. That means every second, every throw, every game, every year, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's not the reality. We went through 2022. We went through 2018. We went through 2017. We went through 2015. was not a very good year with Aaron Rodgers. I just talked about it. He was barely a top 15 quarterback. There's 32 teams in the NFL. He was barely top half. You know, the beginning of Rodgers' career was the end of Favre. I mean, how many years did Favre kind of, you know, not seem super fantastic? And in, in every year in between, that was kind of rocky with him. So again, to, to be overly patronizing, to claim that we've never seen a bad thing in our lives, like we're, we're these weak, feeble people who have been so, you know, we're, we're like those people on Wally, you know, who have spent generations never having to get up out of this chair that just kind of moves around for you and we're all fat and we have no muscle mass and no bone density because we've never had to experience any pain or hardships in our entire lives. Like, okay, let's not get a little, let's not get carried away here. Yes, I've seen bad quarterback play. To say that I've never seen even an 8.5 out of 10? First of all, how many, Rodgers has been less than a 10 out of 10 pretty much every single year of his career. I don't know if 10 out of a 10 is even a thing that anybody's ever been, but maybe Aaron Donald once or something. I don't know. But again, it, it, there, there's two ends of the extreme. You're right. Jordan Love, saying that we, you know, Jordan Love is a Ferrari is a little silly. But I would say it's equally silly to say that we've never experienced any poor quarterback play. For crying out loud, we, we, we had to sit and watch Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley. And, the, and those guys were not even like adequate quarterbacks no offense you know appreciate you guys thanks for thanks for trying but let's be very serious about it of course we know 
I mean, half the reason that that a lot of the people are freaking out about, you know, Rodgers, please never leave us, is because they remember Brett Hundley and just assume that when Rodgers leaves, that's what the Packers look like. And I don't want to look like that again. I don't want to experience that again. I don't want to go through what I went through in 2017. That's the entire fear. So, nope, that isn't exactly true. And then after that, I I mean, I guess you you could just play it or whatever, but... He goes on to say, well, you don't even know what it's like because I've spent half my life in the Chicagoland area and it's rough. Bro, I know. We've been watching the Bears, too. You think I... <laughs> what, what do you think we do? We, we watch the Packers and then we close our eyes when the other team goes out on the field to play offense and then we don't watch any other football games? Again, it's, it's, he's saying that he's not being condescending or patronizing, but I must be a complete freaking idiot if I didn't realize that uh, mediocre quarterback play is an option. That in other places, that actually has... You know, there are actually countries out there that don't have running water or whatever. I don't, I don't think there's whole countries, but... You know what I mean? It's like, it's like that whole lecture from your parents where you just roll your eyes like, dude, shut up. <laughs> what, I mean, what, what do you think my reaction is going to be to this? What? It's been bad in Chicago? I didn't know that. It's been rough? You, are you serious? Wow. Wow, that's weird because we don't sit here and make fun of Chicago Bears fans for never having a good quarterback basically in their entire franchise history with the exception of what, maybe Sid Luckman? Maybe Jay Cutler? Kind of? Kyle, we know, okay? For crying out loud. And again, I, I will play this because this is... Try, I'm trying to just, like, you know, not worry about it, but... I don't know. It's it's a little aggravating. Here here's the next line in the video. You guys think that's the way it works? That you have this amazing all-time quarterback, and eventually it goes really ugly, and there's a, a sloppy divorce, and he leaves, and then the next Hall of Famer just comes right up. You guys struck oil twice in a row for thirty years. You wait. You think that all Packer fans? I'm sure you don't, but this is what you said. You guys think that this is the way it works. That a Hall of Fame quarterback leaves and the next guy comes in and he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, if you're not trying to be condescending, um, I don't know. I mean, I I guess you're trying to be nice, but I, I hate to break it to you. This is condescending because you think I'm a freaking idiot. You think everybody up here is a freaking idiot, apparently. That would be my assessment of the situation. Because yikes. (laughs) You guys think that that's the way it works. No, it's not. That's not what I think. That's not what anybody I've ever talked to or seen thinks. Maybe whatever random person you said thinks that we finally get to take the Ferrari out of the garage or whatever. Maybe that's what that guy thinks. I don't know. I don't know who that is or who said that or when or where or how that happened. Never heard that comment in my life. Maybe that person thinks that way. Although I would still doubt it. I'm guessing they just are, number one, a Packer fan. Number two, not an Aaron Rodgers fan. And they're just being condescending to Rodgers while at the same time being overly optimistic about um, love. Because here, here's, here's the situation. There are people that do the same thing about a bunch of other players, too. There were people that were saying that about Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. And you know what's going to happen after the draft? People are going to be saying the exact same thing. Not because they think, oh, everybody that you draft is just an elite Ferrari. 
No, man, it's just fans being stupid fans. It's not that serious. Then he says one of the more annoying things ever. You guys won two Powerball uh, tickets. Don't you think the odds are considerably lower that you hit a third? No. That that was the, uh, who was that? I think it was Adam Shine or somebody. No, it was Mike Silver. And somebody called him, and he still didn't realize he was wrong. Mike Silver said something like, uh, you know, y- y- the odds of you hitting three Hall of Fame quarterbacks is almost zero or something to that effect. And somebody commented, like, do you think that our odds are lower because the last two quarterbacks were Hall of Famers? And he essentially said yes, which is so unbelievably stupid. It's like statistics 101. The answer to the question is no. Our odds are in no way lower than anybody else's. Why, why would the past have some kind of supernatural impact on our ability to draft a Hall of Fame quarterback as opposed to anybody else? It doesn't. Now, if you're strictly asking the question, do you think it's harder to hit three than it is to hit one? Yes, but two are already out of the way, so we're only trying to hit one. It's the next one. So whatever the difference is between hitting one and hitting three, we've already accomplished that difference in the fact that we've hit two in a row. Do you understand? So if the question is just, you know, you, you do realize how unlikely it is that you're going to hit an Aaron Rodgers, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I watch the draft every year. I watch teams try to get quarterbacks every year. It's a brutal process. I get it. I understand how unlikely it is that Jordan Love is a elite quarterback, despite the fact that, you know, number one, he doesn't need to be elite. He doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers to be a starting quarterback, which is really all I want. And despite the fact that literally every single quarterback in his draft class is considered a starting quarterback, you know, first, second round. Yes, I am fully aware that it is difficult to do it. But the fact that we've had two prior does not make our odds any lower. I hope you recognize that. If you think I'm wrong, Go ahead and follow it up with like a math teacher or something and ask them, because I am not wrong. And if you've been operating under the assumption, as apparently some people have, that we have lower odds of Jordan Love being a Hall of Fame quarterback because Rodgers and Favre were, you're entirely wrong. And congratulations, I just brought you some fantastic news. They're not actually worse. The next sort of point he makes is um, the endorsement from Rodgers was that Jordan Love looked good on the look squad and that that doesn't mean anything. Two points. Um, Number one, I don't know what exact quote that is. I don't think Rodgers has only ever said he looks good on the look squad. I'm pretty sure he's elaborated, expanded on that more. But number one, if that's all he's doing, what do you expect? Now, he's right that that doesn't mean you're going to be an elite Hall of Famer, but again, I'm operating from 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 an understanding that most people understand that we don't know that he's going to be great at anything. We don't know he's going to be bad at anything. We can't know because we need to see what he can actually do in an NFL game. But the point is, up until this point, he has checked all the boxes, at least in terms of what he's been asked to do. But even beyond that, to pretend that that's the only information we have is that uh, Rodgers made one comment about him in the look squad is wildly incorrect. Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, and again, Aaron Rodgers has had multiple comments, I'm sure, that have expanded beyond that, all the way down to Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and even Darius Slay in a real NFL game against one of the best teams in football, um, going all out to try to stop him. Again, they weren't taking their foot off the gas, according to the guy that actually played on the defense against Jordan Love. They were trying to shut him down. They were trying to make a statement. They were trying to, you know, pad their stats and really go get this guy. And at the end of that, he concluded, this guy's really special. Now, again, it's not enough information to draw that 
I'm not trying to tell you that again that that means anything, but I think it's dishonest to say the only endorsement has been one comment from Rogers where he mentioned the look squad, and that doesn't mean anything. I get it from the standpoint of what he's trying to do to just tamper expectations and be like, let's not get too carried away. I understand that, but don't misrepresent things to try to prove your point. You don't need to. I can get people to tampen expectations. First of all, I wouldn't need six minutes to do it. He might suck, so calm down. There you go. That's the whole thing. You don't need a big, long story. By the way, what is... This poster is freaking me out. He's got a poster behind him that's of... Um, what the heck is that guy's name? The Ultimate Warrior? What is with his, like, belly button? You ever see that? Am I just seeing it wrong? It's like there's a piece of his stomach that, like, raises up, and then the other part is, like, this weird thing that comes down and connects to his belly. It's a really weird, gross-looking thing. Is that supposed to be him, by the way? Maybe he has a, a defect. I don't know. Would seem unnecessary in, our, in a cartoon drawing. But then he gets into, like, I understand, like, if you're sick of Roger's antics, that um, you might be glad that you're moving on, but don't you think you're going to kind of miss him? And, and again, it kind of depends what he means by this. There, there are people, and I've, I know because they do call into the Packernet podcast, uh, Packernet After Dark, that's what it's called, that are gleeful. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's fair to say that there might be a little bit of, oh man, I miss that guy. Even from people that aren't being gleeful. There's, there's probably going to be an element of, man, I miss Rodgers. There probably will be. But so long as we're coming at this from the standpoint that it's not that it's the wrong decision, just understand that you may be headed for a rough patch, things are going to be tough, and you're going to be missing the days in which this wasn't the case. And that's entirely... You know, but but again, from my perspective, this is what I've been trying to deal with for some time now. The realization that you know this thing is is going to come to an end one day. So I, 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 I again, it's it's he's kind of being very artistic in his expression of things. So it's it's not very like sharp to the point to understand exactly what he's saying. I understand it from a brace for impact standpoint. If you're overly gleeful and expecting everything to be fantastic. Just be prepared that you may be headed for a rough patch. It's entirely true. But it is what it is, man. The Rodgers era is done, and I don't see any real reason. Again, understand the, the implications potentially, yes. But as a Packer fan, like let's just say we could all come together and recognize that you know everybody listened to my podcast and said, you know what, he's right, 100%. Like That guy's a genius. He's so smart. He's right. And then on top of that, we had another meeting together, and we all agreed, you know what, we need to understand that it's possible Jordan Love might not be, oh yeah, okay, we got it. So, not, so it's time to move on, and it may not be great, it may be great, we'll have to see, but either way, it's time to move on. What would be the best way to proceed? Gloating, or, or throwing parades, haha, the moron's gone, no, nah, probably not the best thing. In fact, that's probably a terrible thing to do, considering how much joy he's given us over the years. My opinion, do what you want to do. But should we live in terror and say this is horrible and Gutekunst is an idiot and we're all going to fail and Jordan Love is a, you know, I mean, that's, that's the other side of it. And that's not right. Listen, we are where we are. It is what it is. It's, it's I'm not even going to say it's the right thing to do. It's the only thing that would have happened this year. There, there isn't a scenario where Rodgers was coming back. It's just done. So what do we do? We support our team. That's it. We support our team. We support our quarterback. And you know what? If that means going to the extremes and saying, dude, we're taking the Ferrari out of the garage, baby. We're dusting that bad boy off. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Now, again, hopefully that person understands that this is just talk and, you know, it, it might not be great. Whatever. But there's, there's honestly nothing really wrong with that comment so long as that person understands it. In fact, that's probably the better thing to do. I don't do that usually because I, I'm much too measured and cautious about being overly supportive and then that blowing up in my face or whatever. But taking the sort of Matt Ramage approach, if you will, of just being like, dude, everybody on my team's freaking awesome. I love everybody. My team's better than your team. I don't care what your team is. I don't care what player. All of our players are better than all your players. Screw you. Right? Now, d does he actually believe? No, he's just being a freaking fan. And I think that that's a good thing. Now, there's, there's different degrees of it in terms of being a little bit more reserved and rational about certain things. And, you know, all the way to the other extreme of just supporting every single person until they're gone. You're wearing a G on your helmet. I got your back. But I think outside of those two realms is when you're kind of getting into we probably shouldn't go down this road territory. But everything in between is fine. And yes, Packer fans should be supporting Jordan Love. They should be excited. They should be celebrating. They should be all these things. Not out of disrespect to Aaron Rodgers, but out of respect for Jordan Love. Out of respect for our organization, for our team, and as Packer fans. Again, Bears fans every single year can get up for their team. Every single year they're going to win the North. Every single year, after years and years and years of getting beat down and battered and broken, what do they do? They come back the next year, we're going to run the North. And as stupid and as pathetic as that is, that's what a fan base is. That's what fans do. And it shouldn't be that hard for us to get around and support our team. And again, you don't have to like the way certain people handle it and the way that they talk about Rodgers and all that stuff. That's a separate thing. That's a, little, that's a little side bet, right? Whether or not fans are being respectful enough of Rodgers on the way out the door is a completely separate issue. What we need to focus on here is that this is our guy and we've got his back. And you know what? He's going to be great. Is he really? I have no idea. But we're going to say he is, because he's our guy, and we believe in him. And by the way, final thought, and somebody just tagged me in, in something that was quite hilarious, because I'm talking about this as we speak, but Peter Bukowski really goes in on this Kyle Brandt video as well, and I, I pretty much lockstep with what he had to say about all the, um, be careful what you wish for people, because it is obnoxious and tiresome. And, and again, I think it is condescending, like I'm a freaking idiot. But um, yeah, I'm not going to play what he said. You can go back and listen to it for yourself on his show. But just e even above and beyond what I've said, because my, my main thing is leave all the other stuff aside. It's time to move on regardless. I think he dives in a little more in depth on where people are really getting exhausted with this. And I really do think there are some fair points. And I understand there's a lot of people who are upset because it's like, well, you just hate Rodgers because of his COVID stance or whatever. And, and for some people, I promise you that is the case. But I also think that there is a very, very real case. And, and I, I fall into that category a little bit as well. It's why I tend to get heated once in a while when I'm trying not to when I talk about Aaron Rodgers because it is really, really frustrating. I mean, that whole 2021 offseason, after defending the guy to no end, I, I, the entire offseason was ripping him to shreds because I was freaking fed up with all the garbage. But anyways, my own personal final point. It is a little bit ironic, because on one hand, he's right. He's talking about, you know, you've hit back-to-back -back Hall of Famers. You can't expect that to happen, and that's true. But on the other hand, going back in history, whose side is he taking right now in the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers saga? Because remember, we've been through this before. There is nobody that knows how to handle this situation better than Green Bay Packers fans. We've been here. 
We've had this split. We've had these exact same arguments. We we keep joking about the Turlet Bowl guy, right? I mean, this is this is something we've been through. Kyle Brandt has never been through this. We have. And you know what? There were some Jet Far fans. There were some people that that followed him all the way over there. There were some people with uh, number four Vikings jerseys on as Packer fans. Followed him all the way to the very bitter end. But you know what the vast majority of Packer fans did? They rallied behind Aaron Rodgers. They believed in Aaron Rodgers. They were ready for Aaron Rodgers. They were tired of the Brett Favre shenanigans. They had clearly seen the guy fall off. They had gotten to the point where even though two, three years ago to move on from Brett Favre was inconceivable at this point, and I'm speaking for myself, it was time to move on. And I was ready to rally behind Aaron Rodgers. And he looked good, although there was never any reason whatsoever, any reason whatsoever to believe in Aaron Rodgers that he could be as good as Brett Favre. In fact, it was almost a ridiculous thing to even bring it up. Like, okay, he's obviously not going to be Brett Favre good, but you know what? I actually think he looks pretty good. I really like the guy, and I'm ready to move on, and we're going to rally behind him. And it is those fans, the one that Kyle Brandt is telling, like, pump the brakes, it's those fans that today can hold their head high. The ones who bitterly clung to Brett Favre are the ones who wouldn't dare raise their hand today and say, yeah, I was that guy. That's what we do. We support our people. Jordan Love is our people, and we're going to rally behind him. And you're going to hear comments about pulling the Ferrari out of the garage. And as a Bears fan, that probably annoys you. And you want to condescend to me about, you know, you don't understand what it's like. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. You guys are down there bragging about how good Justin Fields is. I don't need your insights into what makes a good quarterback. Because if I wanted to be equally as condescending to you, I could tell you, you don't even know what a good quarterback looks like, which of course is ridiculous because he's been watching Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and all these, you know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He's seen a lot of good quarterbacks. But playing his game, he's never even seen a good quarterback in his life. Just because you're on the real world doesn't mean you can tell me what is the real world. And yes, he was actually on the MTV show, The Real World. Chicago, obviously. I got to go back and watch that now. I bet it's freaking hilarious. But no, we don't need to be lectured by Bears fans on how to handle this situation. I don't need to be talked to about what it, what, you know, the potentials of, of bad quarterback play or the fact that bad quarterbacks exist. I didn't need a six-minute video explaining to me that maybe Jordan Love isn't going to be good, as though I didn't know that. It may surprise you that Packer fans are going to stand by their guy and support him. It shouldn't because you guys do the same thing to your guy. I think it's probably annoying to a lot of people that Packer fans aren't falling to their knees and weeping. I think especially Bears fans and whatnot want that satisfaction. I think they want to see Packer fans just in absolute despair and they're not seeing it. And I think it's confusing and I think it's annoying and I think it's frustrating. And yes, for some Packer fans, they are not handling this very well. They are panicked. They are freaking out. They are convinced that Aaron Rodgers is going to take the Jets to the Super Bowl. And they are convinced that the Packers will never win another game again. They're the ones that have convinced themselves that they're the rational ones and we're the irrational ones, believe that or not. But for the most part, Packer fans fully understand the potential of what's going to happen in the future, but are simply reliving the past. We've been here before. We were able to... to uh, suck it up and watch our, our longtime hero, Brett Favre, walk out the door. We were able to manage and fully understand the fact that, that we will never see a quarterback that good again in our lifetime. But hey, it's time to move on, and we like this Rodgers guy, and we're going to throw our support behind him. And we did. Not all of us, but I did. And many of us did. Most of us, I think, did. And you know what? We're going to do it again. Not everybody. Some people are not. They're going to bitterly cling to Aaron Rodgers all the way out to the Jets and hate the organization forever because 
I don't know. It's how they're wired. I don't really know how that whole thought process works in their mind because it's not mine. Again, if you want to know how they think, ask them. Don't ask me. I don't know. But um, again, yeah, like, like many people said, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but I, I do think enough is enough, and I certainly don't need people condescending to me. I don't need Bears fans explaining to me how I should be handling this or how I should be reacting to this. I don't need Jets fans telling me what's going to happen. I certainly don't need them explaining to me how good or bad Aaron Rodgers is. I don't need anyone to tell me how to, how to do this. I'm fully capable of figuring this out by myself. As a fan of the team, as, as one of the only few people that's been through this, as in a Packer fan, I don't need your help. I don't need a bunch of people from New York trying to tell me how to mentally prepare for sucking. Because you know what? As much as it's possible, I'm sorry to tell you, quarterback or no quarterback, the Green Bay Packers are not the Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers are not the New York Jets. To, to pretend that the brokenness of these franchises only comes down to quarterbacks would be fallacious thinking. It may be part of the equation, for sure, but your organization is absolute garbage, and that is for a lot of reasons above and beyond the quarterback position. And that's your problem to deal with. That is not my problem to deal with, because I like my organization. I love the job that Mark Murphy has done. I greatly appreciate what Brian Gutekunst has done. I, up to this point, am impressed with Matt LaFleur. Every single one of the three people I mentioned, there's a couple things that I'm unsure about, but overall, not being an overly spoiled Packer fan who expects everything to be perfect, I am very much pleased with what I've seen. And that extends throughout the, fan, the, the, the roster, some more than others, but I am overall ple pleased with the roster. Now, we are at a point now where things are a little bit shaky, right? We've got some high points, but there's also a couple, you know, the safety position is an iffy one, and obviously quarterback, like, you know, if, if, if it's great, then we're set. If it's terrible, then we're screwed no matter what. If it's kind of in the middle, then we got to make sure that we have the right supporting cast. But, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of question. And there was last year, too. I mean, it was, it was kind of more in the air last year than it had been in the past. And obviously that didn't pan out as we had all hoped. But we'll figure it out. And if it doesn't work, guess what? We recalibrate. And if, if our GM can't get it done, we'll find a new one. If our coach can't get it done, we'll find a new one. If Jordan Love can't get it done, we'll find a new one. We'll figure it out. But you know what I don't have to worry about? The team's not going anywhere. So when the time comes, week one, guess who's playing? The Green Bay Packers. Guess who's going to be watching? Me. Packers fans. We get to tune in and watch our team play just like everybody else does. So this is me saying I appreciate all of your help. Thank you for trying to coddle me and prepare me for the real world which us Packer fans know nothing about, unlike Mr. Kyle Brandt, who knows the real world and is much more uh, in tune with everything. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need the Brett f or the Aaron Rodgers defenders to try to give me a reality, uh, a reality check that everything in my life is going to fall apart and gleefully say, I can't wait until this team, I, I can't wait until the team I apparently root for goes to zero so I can laugh in your face. And I'll, Congratulations. I'm sorry you're a bitter, miserable person. I'm not interested. I don't care. I'm at peace with my life. I'm not living in terror and in fear 24 hours a day. I am perfectly content with the situation that we're in. And I am also excited on the possibility that we could actually be a very good football team. If we're not, I can live with it. I will survive. You might not. Half you freaking people still can't get over the fact that we drafted Kevin King over T.J. Watt. Completely emotional, emotionally unstable human beings. 
who cannot ha- ha- tolerate any minor inconvenience in their life, who, by the way, would not be able to tolerate being a fan of any of the 32 teams, because if you think there's a team out there that hits every single draft pick, you are in for a rude awakening. So yes, there are spoiled Packer fans, but you're looking at the wrong side if you think it's the people that are like, it's fine, I'll be okay without Aaron Rodgers, I'm okay potentially going toward a dark era, it is what it is, we gotta do what we gotta do. That's not the spoiled side of the fan base. The ones that are never satisfied, nothing's ever good enough, Matt LaFleur's not good enough, Gutekunst isn't good enough, Murphy's not good enough, the draft picks are never good enough, nothing is ever good enough, that's where you're going to find the people that are what you would call the spoiled Packer fans. As for me, I don't need any more lectures. I'm not a freaking idiot, and I don't need to have everything dumbed down, to, to, dumbed down for me as though I am an idiot by an actor from Days of Our Lives. Yes, he did that too. All right, we'll leave it at that. You've, uh, no, we're not done. Uh, why don't we take a break? <laughs> everything is just on freaking autopilot. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so um, similar to Packernet After Dark, I am way behind in uh, everything. So we're going to try to rip through as much of this stuff as we can. This is from uh, a little while ago. But since we're on the topic of... Jordan Love and and reasons to support Jordan Love outside of this one inane scout team uh, comment by Aaron Rodgers that seemingly means nothing and we shouldn't care about. I found something else, and I've done this a thousand times, and I will do it a thousand more as I find more 
little nuggets that support the idea that uh, Jordan Love could potentially be a good quarterback, I'm going to continue to do that because this is our starting quarterback moving forward, and I'm excited to do such things. The, the other reason I think it's important is because it's not necessarily the telephone game, but I've, I've talked before about how I will look at a piece of information, and then I will kind of regurgitate that information, and over time it will morph, and my recollection of it will change over time. And sometimes I'll go back and actually look at it and be like, dude, I swear I saw something else. But it just it just morphs into its own thing. And then I just go on for sometimes years thinking a thing is true that apparently was never true. And I think that could be the case with Jordan Love. And essentially the thought is Jordan Love was never actually a first-round prospect. And um, the Packers reached to get him and nobody liked him, et cetera, et cetera. Which is why I've brought up many times... The comps to Pat Mahomes, I've brought up all different kinds of things. Here's something else. This is written by Bill Huber, April 28th, 2020. I don't know if you know who Jim Nagy is or not, but he is the uh, Senior Bowl Executive Director. He is like the Senior Bowl guy. He's a big draft guy, obviously, but he's the, he's the guy that runs that whole ship. So that's his big thing. And Jordan Love did play in the Senior Bowl. And again, a lot of the recollection is after the Packers picked Jordan Love, everybody said this is the dumbest thing on planet Earth. Now, that's obviously not true. I was one of the people that certainly did not like the pick. That's for sure. But it isn't true that everybody said this is a garbage pick, not just because the Packers shouldn't have done it, but because Jordan Love is a garbage prospect. Title of the article, Scout, Love Will Keep Packers Competitive for 20 Years. Subtitle. Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy said raved about the Packers' first-round pick, Utah State's Jordan Love. Says Brian Gutekunst's decision to use the Green Bay Packers' first-round pick on a quarterback, Jordan Love, has been widely criticized, but not everybody, and especially not by those involved in the game. Which, of course, is also an important uh, note here. A lot of Packer fans didn't like it for obvious reasons. We are excited about somebody that's going to contribute this year. That's what we thought was going to happen, which... By the way, as another little aside here, this is a big part of the reason why it's important, and I keep reminding myself and re-reminding myself this, of covering a lot of different prospects in the draft that are potentially good picks and good values there, because what tends to happen for me and for a lot of other Packers is we get in our mind, it has to be one of these two things because that's the most beneficial, and then when it inevitably does not happen, there's a lot of frustration, even if it's a fantastic pick. That just happened to me today when I looked at, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock or something, and we took an offensive tackle. And for whatever reason, I was wildly disappointed. And I was like, why, why are you upset about that? I, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, well, I don't know. I just, in my own head, this is what it is, and that wasn't it. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. But I think a more important question would be, what do guys like Jim Nagy, Daniel Jeremiah, blah, 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 what do they think of the prospect? Anyways, quote, you're not going to get a quarterback that talented unless you bottom out, and what franchise wants to do that, Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy said. This is a proactive move by Goody. It puts the team in a position where they're going to be competitive for maybe the next 20 years if this thing comes together. Now, this is another point that I, I brought up just a few days ago um, in terms of, first of all, how many good quarterbacks have gone since then? Almost none. But even more importantly than that, how many times... Do very, very good quarterbacks, not saying he automatically is, but if you assume he is, when's the next time do you think you'll be picking in the mid to late 20s and be able to get a quarterback of this caliber? Let me ask that a different way. When is the last time any 
GM in, in, in Gutekunst's tenure here, that is to say Gutekunst or Ted Thompson or whoever, since Gutekunst has been here, and he's been in that draft war room many, many, many times, and we've been pack, picking at the, the back of the draft many, 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 many times, how many times in that time period do you think they've come across a quarterback that they genuinely believe can lead this franchise for the next 15, 20 years that has actually made it all the way to them? Generally, those quarterbacks are gone by five, at the very least, ten. They don't make it into the 20s. I think that's another very important note that does not get talked about, acknowledged, anything. The article continues, Nagy first met Love at the Manning Passing Academy last summer in Louisiana when Love was coming off a breakout season of 32 touchdowns versus six interceptions as a sophomore at Utah State. It says that was the moment that he realized that Love would be able to graduate early and be eligible to play in the Senior Bowl. Nagy, uh, Nagy's scouts, which how baller is that to have your own team of scouts, which I guess you need to because you got to figure out who to invite. Nagy scouts watched Love twice in 2019, including the 42-6 to loss at LSU, which that was the only game when we drafted him that I had watched. And I'm guessing that's the only game a lot of other people that even bothered to watch him watched. You know why? Because you type in Jordan Love in YouTube. That's the first game that pops up. Uh, it says, including the 42-6 to loss at LSU on October 5th when Love was 15 of 30, passing for 130 yards and three interceptions. Nonetheless, he impressed evaluators. And this is the point that I think JJ has made several times, that I even made when, when you know Blaine and I, after we drafted him, went back and watched like all of his games. My first read of that game was like, this is garbage. Because I don't, I, don't I'm, I'm, I have no real belief that we're actually going to draft this guy. It's just like, I don't know, he's, he's in that range. We might as well look at him. I watched him. I never even put two and two together that, you know, obviously they're a much more inferior team. I just thought, saw a guy throw a bunch of interception, goes, okay, this guy's not it. But I know J.J. has made the point that he actually thought the 2019 season was more impressive than his 2018 season, which fly, you know, statistically is blasphemous. But if you go watch that LSU game, I actually do think it was that game in particular was really impressive, especially when you take in the context that you're down by like 40 points and you're just trying to make something happen. And it was his receivers that massively let him down. I mean, they, they it's, it's freaking LSU, man. These guys didn't get an inch of separation the entire game. And on top of that, when Blaine and I went back and watched, I can't tell you how many times he threw an absolute dot and the ball just got dropped. I mean, that was, talk about that happening to Rodgers. It happens to Rodgers occasionally. This was brutal. But again, it goes on to say, nonetheless, in other words, despite the stats, which I'm sure all of us as fans are smart enough to realize that if you're just looking at stats, you're not getting the full picture. It's not a bad snapshot, but if your team drafts a quarterback, maybe dive a little bit deeper than just stats. I'm just saying, just just a thought. Nonetheless, the impressed evaluators, including Gutekunst, who is there mostly to see LSU's star-studded roster, which is funny. I don't even think I knew that. He was there to watch LSU's players, ended up seeing Brian, or, uh, Jordan Love throw three interceptions and said, that guy's a good freaking quarterback. Which, by the way, is why he is an NFL GM, and we're a bunch of idiotic fans that don't know what the heck we're looking at. The week at the Senior Bowl was Nagy's first extended exposure, it goes on to say. He went on to say, I hadn't seen him throw live in, in a competition situation before. For me, it was great seeing all the different kinds of throws he can make. He's got every single pitch. He can throw with velocity. He can throw with touch. He can throw with great trajectory down the field. It was cool to see not just throwing on air and shorts in a, in a camp in the summertime in Louisiana. Later on, he went on to say, we put these quarterbacks in a lot of situations they're never in in college. And remember, he didn't come from a very big program. I added that piece. Continuing on. They're getting play calls directly from a coach. They're having to go into a huddle, which none of them have done and none of them do anymore, and use verbiage 
which none of them have to do. And then they have to go inner center, which most of them never have to do, and he handled all that stuff really well. Usually, for most of the guys, the first day is really rough and gets a little better over the week. I think he's going to be a quick study. This isn't a long-term developmental project. You give him a year uh, out of that Utah State situation, let him shake off all that stuff out of his system, and get honked back in, and he'll be ready to go. Honed back in. I swear I saw a K in there. It's like, what the heck is honked back in? And again, listen to what, if you listen to what he's saying, he said it's not going to take... A long time and then acknowledge that year one is going to be brutal right in other words that that's not even like a big deal if if your first year you're you're terrible that's not a long-term investment in his estimation and what did we see we saw jordan love struggling to get um the footwork down like day one of practice and packer fans wrote him off like oh this guy's a freaking joke look at that look at this piece of crap right here oh my goodness <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show how quickly everybody really wanted to write him off. Went on to say, the stuff at Utah State that Nagy alluded to included a coaching change and major personnel losses turning into a season in which Love threw 20 touchdowns versus 17 interceptions. Again, another thing that's not talked about enough. Everybody looks at 2019 as though there was no 2018, in which, again, his statistics were phenomenal. And also doesn't acknowledge why it might have gotten worse. Like, again, entire coaching staff turnover, uh, his entire like offensive line, I think, left. A lot of stuff. It goes on to say, talking about the 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, it says, that's a stat mentioned often by love critics and one that drives Nagy crazy. It says, so crazy, it'll be a separate story. Nagy and two other scouts reached by Packers Central this week shrugged off what happened last season and see the enormous amount of talent. One of those scouts works for a team picking after Green Bay's spot at number 30. He did not know if his general manager would have traded up for love, but it was discussed. So in other words, he doesn't know what would have happened if you got past where the Packers picked him, but they were talking about trading up for Jordan Love. Another very interesting part, uh, skipping down a little bit, it says, in, in that light, what does Love, the 26th pick on Thursday, have to do to not be a bust? He said, that's a good question, Nagy said after some moment of consideration. I don't see a guy with his kinds of tools and ability not succeeding. I just don't. There's a lot of first-round picks uh, over the years that, as a scout, I'm giving fourth and fifth and sixth-round grades to, and on draft day, I'm sitting there shocked that guys would get picked that high because I don't see it myself. I could rip off 15 names right now like that. He's talking about guys that get picked potentially in the first round that he thought were like fourth, fifth-round guys. He goes on to say, this kid's extremely talented. He goes on to say, where you go matters. Pat Mahomes went to an ideal situation, and people can't lose sight of that. He got mentored by maybe the best mentor he could have in, in Alex Smith. He went to the best quarterback developer in the league in the head coaching spot with Andy Reid, and he's got ridiculous weapons around him, and he can sit for almost an entire year. That's a pretty ideal situation. Hopefully Jordan is similar. He'll get time to sit, which is great. I don't know much about Matt, but hopefully they got pieces around him. Uh, but there's no reason from a talent perspective why this guy shouldn't succeed. I've been around this kid. He's easy to like. He's smart from a makeup perspective. I don't know why he wouldn't succeed. By the way, Jim Nagy did spend t some time as an NFL scout, including for the Green Bay Packers. So, and again, nothing about this says it's impossible. It just says every single box has been checked. So, I mean, you, you can formulate whatever opinion you want. 
I'm not telling you that because he's a scout and you're not, you're not allowed to go watch the tape and come to a different conclusion. But I would certainly weigh his opinion heavily and that of the opinion of everybody else that has weighed in on Jordan Love, including our own GM, et cetera, et cetera. And really ask the question, what box has not been checked aside from the final box that says, on Sunday, can this guy play at a high level for four quarters or at least enough quarters to win a football game? Can he win under tough situations? Like, how, how does he handle prime time? What do the playoffs look like? What does Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday look like? What happens when the chips are down and you're down by 14 or whatever, which, I mean, that's what he lived with at Utah State, obviously. Can you lead that, you know, you're, you're down by six, minute 48 left, starting at the 25-yard line. Can you get down the field and get that touchdown? You know, what, what, what does this actually materialize into? I understand tools. I understand all that. That's the final box. But but the the idea, in my opinion, that he should be written off based on information we already have, I think is foolish. I think people looking at this saying, well, he's a small school guy or he was bad in 2019, I think that is wildly simplistic. I genuinely think you should go back and, and watch games again. I mean, listen, he's going to be your starting quarterback this year. If you want to just be pissed off and have an attitude and be angry and all that stuff, that's that's fine. Go ahead and do that. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. You're not going to get anything from it because that's not what I intend to do. But if you're genuinely concerned, and I would even say skeptical, which we're all skeptical, but let's say highly skeptical, what I would encourage you to do is what I did when I did not like our pick at first and then went back and watched a little closer. Go on YouTube. There's a lot of his games from 2018 and 2019 and really watch. And really keep in the back of your mind the Matt LaFleur system. Watch the accuracy. And again, a lot of it for me was just the the rhythmic nature of their offense. The fact that it's just a quick, you know, three-step drop, boom, the ball's out. And it's not just where it needs to be. It's on time and it's on target. You know, there's a lot of little things. There, there are entire years where I just feel like Rodgers is off. You know, what was it, 2019 or something maybe where, I mean, there were just some passes. Like, what in the, you know, um, the screen passes that ended up in the dirt. What was that? But there's also even those screen passes, how important it is to kind of get it out in front of the guy, as opposed to, you know, if you throw it behind him or a little bit off or a little bit here or there, you know, or a guy coming across the middle of the field, if they have to stop and catch it or reach around behind him to catch it, it, it changes everything. Rather than being able to catch and run, you have to stop and spin and now you're getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage or getting tackled right at a 10-yard reception as opposed to catching it and running, for example, that Christian Watson touchdown. If he had to stop and catch it or turn around and catch it, maybe somebody catches him and tackles him instead of getting a touchdown. A lot of what I liked about Jordan Love was really just that that exactly where it needed to be passing. So, And if that doesn't do it for you, that's fine. I'm not telling you what your opinion needs to be. I'm just saying before you write the guy off who's going to be your starting quarterback, really make sure 100% that you've put in all the work necessary to come to that conclusion. Because leaving having that as your default position, because if you're not going to put in the work, your default should be, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. There's no reason to put in no work and just look at his stats in 2019 and say, I'm going to write him off. You have to know that that's lazy and ignorant. You have to know that. So if you want to dislike him, at least have a reason. Go back and actually watch. Pull up four, five, six games from from what he played in college and actually watch and understand the context. Again, if you want to watch the LSU game, that's fine. 
Pay attention to the score. Pay attention to the down and distance. Pay attention to pressure. Pay attention to pocket poise, to accuracy, to all those kinds of things. If you're just watching the scoreboard, or if you're watching the fact that they're down by 20 and he's throwing a 50-50 ball hoping his guy catches it, and instead the LSU guy catches it because LSU DBs are like the best in the entire nation at the time, and uh, Utah State... uh, Wide receivers are uh, not at all the best in the nation, and you want to put that all on Jordan Love for trying to make some kind of a play to see if we can come back? That's foolishness. What would you rather him do? He's not open, I'll take a sack? Continuing in a similar vein, on my crusade to loosen up the skeptical fan base to the potential that Jordan Love might actually not suck, written by Tyler Dunn on March 16th, he's going to prove everybody wrong. It says, now that the Jordan Love era is here, let's chat with one former Utah State wide receiver who knows the quarterback best, Ron Quavion Tarver, expects greatness. Now, obviously, people are going to talk about their friends in a glowing light, but I still want to hear from his friend what he has to say. This is in Q&A format, so that makes it nice and easy for us. Right out of the gate, what kind of a guy was Jordan at Utah State? He says, off the field, Jordan was my best friend at Utah. Jordan is just a call away. There was a group of us. We were super close every day after practice. There were times I didn't even stay where I was staying. I stayed with Jordan. We were like brothers, best friends. The six of us were real close. Jordan's a good guy. You can always talk to him. You can always rely on him. Going into my senior year, my grandfather passed away. Jordan was helping me move and stuff, and I didn't even tell him, but he noticed I wasn't myself. I told him, and we just stopped uh, what we were doing. He's like, let's go. Uh, Let's go to the field and get your mind off it. After that day, I had so much respect for Jordan. Tyler Dunn asked him so he could just tell something was wrong, and he says, yes. Usually I'm outspoken. That day I was to myself. Uh, I wasn't talking much, and he said, what's wrong with you? You're not yourself. I let him know what's up, and we went to run routes, which, by the way, that in and of itself is kind of funny. What's Jordan's default? Now, the main point is we need to just go do something to get your mind off it, but the way in which they did that, let's go practice. Let's go put in some work. Let's go run. Let's go race. Let's go do something. But also, we're going to make it football-related. Let's go put in some work on the football field. Number one, because I'm a good friend and I want to help you. And number two, let's freaking put in some work, dude. But anyways, it kind of goes on with that for a little bit. You know, how did he know something was up? He says he's a special person. Once you get to know him, he opens up. Good energy. Never has bad days. Even if something goes wrong, you'd never know. And they go on to talk a little bit more about his character. Obviously, um, he had faced a tragedy with his dad. Talk a little bit about that, about how it you know, developed him and shaped him, and in, in his estimation, made him care about people more. Beyond that, continuing on, it says, When you were on the field together coming up at Utah State, your offensive coordinator, David Yost, said he could tell Jordan was special, and they gradually got him in there as the starter. You caught some of those early touchdowns in 2017. What did you see early on that suggested he was special? First sentence. Me and Jordan put in a ton of work. Again, considering the reports we're getting right now about Jordan Love putting in the work and getting his guys to get, not just him, not just, you know, I'm going out and doing my thing, but I'm going to put in the work myself, but I want my guys out here with me. I want Christian Watson. I want Romeo Dobbs. I want Aaron Jones. I want anybody that's willing to come out to California so we can put in the work together goes on to say, we'd, gra- uh, we'd go to the indoor facility, grab a couple cornerbacks. I stayed with all the receivers. We were putting in so much work. So again, this is, and this is what I've been saying about 
you know, with the Rodgers thing, like, call Jair, get these guys out here. What did they do? They went to the facility, they grabbed a couple corners, like, hey, guys, let's go do some work. He's throwing balls to his wide receivers while corners are putting, you know, getting in their reps to try to guard against it. Wanted, went on to say, in Kent Myers, who was their previous quarterback, he was a great quarterback, but anybody could tell Jordan was the better quarterback. Jordan should have been playing uh, my sophomore year. Even when he became the man, he wasn't a cocky person. Even now, he went first round and Jordan is still the same person. No cockiness, no arrogance, none of that. He's himself. Now, I'll say this. I Again, I don't know anything about Jordan, how this is all going to pan out, if he's going to be good, if he'll be here for 15 years or whatever. But if there's a difference between Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan, based on what I'm hearing here, it's the arrogance thing. Now, obviously, several years, I mean, if he starts getting these $60 million contracts or whatever they're going to be down the line and becomes a mega superstar and starts dating some uh, supermodel or whatever, maybe things can change. But Aaron Rodgers from day one, a big knock against him is he's super arrogant. That's, that was a big knock on him in, in his draft day. Like, this guy is super cocky, super arrogant, et cetera, et cetera. And who knows? Maybe that's what made Brett and Aaron great, and that's why Jordan won't succeed. I don't know. But it's a big difference between all of them. Next question. I think a lot of fans out there want to know what kind of a person they're getting in their new quarterback. And he says, you're getting a team player. He's going to know everybody's name on the team. He's going to build a relationship with them. So it's going to be more than just football in the locker room with Jordan. He's going to turn it into a family. Again, I know a lot of people are annoyed with the comparisons between Jordan and Aaron Rodgers. But it is what it is. Like I've said with with Matt LaFleur, I like a lot about Matt LaFleur. There are certain things I don't like. And if, if we did move in a new direction and we got a head coach that came in and was not going to be bossed around by a quarterback, I would be talking about how much I love that and appreciate that because we didn't have that with the last guy. That isn't to say I dis, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Matt LaFleur. It's just it's a welcome change. A lot of the issues I've been having, and a lot of Packer fans have been having, and maybe you haven't, I don't know, it's exactly this. I want guys putting in all the work, but not just independently, if at all possible, especially if you're the quarterback. I want you putting in the work with your guys, and that means on the field and off the field. And this idea that you know you can't get to know guys or, or work with them or become like family or really close friends with guys because there's an age gap, I think is absurd. Why? You mean to tell me that you have no relationship with anybody that is outside a five-year gap with you? Have you ever spent time with your grandfather who taught you how to be a man and brought you up or whatever? You go work on the car together or anything like that? Again, I'm not talking about you guys have like a, a, a pillow fight and caress each other watching Netflix. It can be whatever you want it to be, but there needs to be some bonding. I mean, why, why would you even bother with father-son bonding? What's the point? There's an age gap there. I mean, come on. How about we overcome some of the challenges and, and work through it? And, and you know, and, and listen, it, well, there's, there's, a, there's an age gap, and, and part of the issue is, like, young guys don't like the same thing as old guys. Yeah, I'm sure Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers liked all the same stuff. Totally and completely compatible in all their likes and dislikes. I just remember all the stories about Aaron Rodgers with like dreadlocks in his hair bumping Tupac as Devontae and Rodgers are on their way out to go do ayahuasca together. Oh, the many times we've heard that story. No, they're different people with different likes and different dislikes. And you know what? They're still friends and they still got along. They grew up in, in different areas, same state, I believe, but different areas, different cultures, different families, different beliefs, and they're friends. 
And again, like I've said a thousand times, I'm just tired of the excuses. It's a good thing. And I'm, I'm very excited about it because I, I think that's what we need. We need a locker room that's going to come together. And it's not going to be, it's, I, I don't necessarily expect it to be all kumbaya just because Jordan Love is trying. But again, this is where Matt LaFleur and especially Brian Gutekunst come into play. You got the leader of your team who is leading in the right way, who's bringing people into the fold, who's trying to make it a fun family environment. And anybody that wants to push back against that is not the right person for our team. And as we draft people and as we bring in free agents, we want to make sure that they are a part of that same culture and philosophy. Again, just to read that one more time, you're getting a team player. He's going to know everybody's name on the team. He's going to build a relationship with them. So it's going to be more than just football in the locker room with Jordan. It's going to turn it into a family. It's just that effort part of it. And again, I don't know what's going to happen when he's been on the team for X amount of years and become some superstar celebrity thing. Maybe that'll all change. But here's the situation. The moment Jordan Love turns into a diva, I'm not going to support it. It's not to say I won't support him, but I'm not going to support those specific actions. I, I, was, I was talking to people on Twitter about this where, you know, again, you, you can tell the inflection, inflection point isn't actually the issue. It's the implication that I'm attacking Rodgers. That's what they don't like, and that's why they're defending nonsense. And I said, let's just leave Rodgers aside for a moment, and let me rephrase what I'm saying. If Jordan Love, because what they're saying, well, Jordan Love has to do this. No, he doesn't have to do this. That's absurd. But if Jordan Love actually did say that this is just a one-time proposition just to kind of get up to speed with some of my guys and I'm never going to do this again, I'm not going to support that because I do think it's important that you do these things. I don't think I need to defend the fact that I uh, support this regardless of the fact that it's Jordan Love because I've been the guy saying that Rodgers should be doing this. And if Rodgers at any point had done it, I would have cheered, but he never did it. And after one year, not even after, prior to his first year, He's already doing what I've been begging, begging, begging to happen. And again, all the the people that, right or wrong, have been upset that Rodgers is not doing what is required. And he's not even, you know, you can't even really speculate that maybe Rodgers was doing it. We just didn't really get a chance to see it. You know, that's what a lot of people, well, look at what this person said. They really like Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's fine. I didn't say everybody hated him. But is he putting in the effort that I think is is sort of a baseline minimum to try to get to know guys and just, I mean, again, we're talking leadership here, right? What is some baseline minimum leadership attributes? And in, in my opinion, baseline minimum is this. You're going to know everybody's name on the team. You're going to build relationships with them. It's going to be more than football in a locker room. It's going to be family. That's where it starts. Then we build on that. Next question. You know his personality. The Packers have younger players around Jordan on offense. What could what could build in Green Bay is the question. Tarver says, you know how A-Rod is more laid back. He showboats when he's winning. He's kind of cocky. Jordan is more, how can I say, you know, how everyone loves Cam Newton. He likes to dance. I think Jordan could change the culture. I don't know how to say it, but he's totally different from A-Rod. He's more outspoken, which is surprising even to me because I've never heard him say anything. But even Rodgers has said that. Like, once he gets comfortable, he kind of comes out of his shell. That's what his friend here has said. Once he gets comfortable, he comes out of his shell. Says he's more outspoken. He likes to have fun. A-Rod is an older guy. Eventually, he'll get to a point like A-Rod where he's more laid back. But Jordan, he likes to have fun. He loves fun. And that comes with winning. So you know how that goes, he says. And again, this is the excitement that I think a lot of Packer fans have. The winning is, is I don't want to say it's secondary because it's primary, but it's it's... It's the next step in this evolution. But I don't think the second step comes without the first step. 
And again, this is part of where the frustration comes with the Aaron Rodgers thing, because while some people are mad because Gutekunst didn't do enough and squandered this opportunity, I tend to look at it from the other perspective. I think opportunity was squandered, but I think a lot of that opportunity that was wasted was wasted in the locker room. You go back to 2022 and look at those locker room interviews. Is anybody having fun? Nobody wanted to answer questions. Everybody looked upset. Jair was upset. Kenny was upset. Rodgers was upset. Guys were getting thrown under the bus. It was an ugly situation. Maybe this isn't going to materialize, but this is what I want. This is what the team should want. This is what the team needs, period. Whether we get there, I don't know. And then on top of that, once we build that, are we going to get to that next step is the next question. But again, for the billionth time going back to the Lions, what happened? It started with bringing the team together. You have a head coach who got the guys to believe and rally together. And you look at Jamal bringing the guys together and you know, tears streaming down his face, crying about how much he cares about this team and his guys. You want to know why the Lions with less talent are better than the Packers with more talent? That's why. Because a guy like Jamal is in there crying about how much he loves these guys. I'm not saying we necessarily need exactly that, but in a way, we need exactly that. It's a team sport, and we've had superheroes on our team. We've had Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari. I go through the whole list over and over and over again. And that's great. But unless those guys can come together into a team, into a unit, it doesn't mean anything. And I think I'm at the point now I'd rather have a team without superstars than superstars without a team. Because we've done it the other way for too long. Superstars without a team. Let's learn how to build a locker room. Let's learn how to come together as a team. And then we can work on, you know, putting Gutekunst to the test. Right? We've got a team. We need the players. Before we had the players and no team. Now we have a team. We need the players, right? We have a team. We're lacking at, at you know, a tight end. We're lacking at this. We're lacking at that. But prove to me you can be a team first. If you can prove you can be a team and the talent just isn't there, fine. We'll put a little heat on, on Gutekunst. But I'm not doing that if we don't have a football team that isn't willing to come together no matter how many players you cram into that locker room. No matter how many superstars are in there, they don't come together as a team when it matters most. I don't want to hear a single freaking word about Brian Gutekunst at that point. So it's a big, giant overhaul and evolution. And again, yes, it, 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 in my mind, it is sub-50% that we end up being one of these top three, four, five teams. Because it's a massive thing. I don't expect it. It's, it's a massive thing. But it starts by putting in the work that other guys don't want to do. Because right now... And I'm just going to make something up because I feel like making fun of the guy. I haven't done it in a couple episodes and it's required. While Justin Fields is out there partying in uh, the Bahamas, Jordan Love is putting in work with his guys. That's where it starts. Step one, complete. Something else I think is, is kind of funny. Says, what does he like to do off the field as a person? Uh, he's still a mystery to a lot of people. He says, Jordan is actually a great basketball player. Jordan can play basketball. All quarterbacks are special on the court, but he's got game. He can shoot. He can pass. He can dunk. He's a hooper. And the reason I kind of like that is that's, that's a big bonding thing. I remember that from several years ago. That was a big topic of, of uh, discussion. I think even Aaron Rodgers was a part of that back when, you know, there was a little bit more camaraderie or whatever, but a lot of talk. Maybe Rodgers wasn't a part of it. I don't know, but a lot of the guys play basketball. You know, you got the wide receivers against the DBs and all this kind of stuff. If you've got your quarterback in there doing that, that's a great opportunity, you know, rather than going back and playing freaking video games. And I hate to keep picking on video games, but it annoys me to no end. And I really hate to pick on him because I really like him and I think he's going to be great. But 
when I hear a guy like Dylan or whatever is a big gamer, it just is like, oh, come on, man. Like MVS, that drove me insane. I don't know how many times I saw on social media people like, dude, I just played such and such video game with MVS. Like, oh, cool. So he's playing video games right now. Great. And again, you can get mad at me about, oh, what, they're not allowed to have a life? That's up to you. That corner you're going up against, he's not playing video games. Guys, listen, guys like Devontae don't get to be guys like Devontae because they played video games all the time. Guys like Devontae go from a wide receiver who's struggling to the best wide receiver in football because they put in the freaking work. You want to be that guy, go be that guy. Right? Again, it's one thing to want it, it's another thing to do it. I can sit here and say I want to be freaking ripped. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. The question is, are you going to live your life like that guy over there who is freaking ripped? You're going to get up when he gets up? You're going to eat when he eats? You're going to put in the work that he puts in? Because if you're not, then it doesn't matter if you say it. So yeah, you can play video games if you want. That's, that's fine. Just don't talk to me about how you want to be the best. Because the people who want to be the best, who are actually going to be the best, they're out there putting in work right now. Now, obviously, there's a difference between like, I go to practice, I go home, and then I play video games the rest of the day, and like I've put in hours and hours and hours of work and hours and hours of film study and getting into the playbook, and like I'm gonna I'm gonna play games for like an hour or two before bed or whatever. You know, th- th- there's a sliding scale here, and I'm obviously talking about the other group where it's like I do the bare minimum, and then I just I we go out clubbing, smoking weed, drinking booze, ordering pizzas, watching movies. That's you know. Again, whatever. That's what you want to do. That's fine. But I like the idea of rather than acting stupid, Jordan and some of the guys going out and playing basketball. Because at least then you've got the physical activity, competitive part of the game, and team building. And I'll tell you what, if the quarterback ends up wiping the floor with you, that's not a bad thing. Next question. The Philly game was almost perfect, but only his teammates, back to Utah State, Green Bay, are the ones who've seen him at his best. COC Mariner, another receiver, wasn't shy when we chatted. He said Jordan was doing the same stuff Pat Mahomes was doing at that time. What makes him special to you? He says, the ability to make every throw. He can make any throw on the football field, tight window, no window, open window. He can make literally any throw on the football field. He says, what were those tougher throws? He says, he made it so easy. He said, I didn't have to do much. The ball is right there. It was all Jordan. There were a couple times I had to jump, but that man can throw that rock. He is special. He said, you were there in 2018, which was his best season. Um, how did he catch fire that season? He said, after the bowl game in 2017, it's like the whole team came together and said, man, and Coach Dave preached to us every day at summer, they have to, this is kind of hard if you're not reading it, it's quote, man, and then there's a little thing in between, and Coach Dave preached to us every day that summer, continuing the quote, they have us projected to win six games. It's up to y'all. It's not up to me. This is the coach talking. It's not up to Coach Wells. It's up to y'all. And if you buy in, I promise you'll have a great season. Everybody bought in. We did the right things. We didn't miss meetings. We showed up early. Interesting, right? Didn't miss meetings, showed up early. These are, these are things that you do above and beyond, right? Anyways, uh, we were putting in extra work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I didn't know you could do that. I'm sorry. Put in extra work. Jordan was meeting us. Quote, hey, man, you all come to the field. I'm not asking you all to come to the field. I'm telling you come on. This is what Jordan said to them. So there was buy-in, but not only that, there was an expectation to go above and beyond. And as everybody else is already going above and beyond, Jordan got in their face and said, we're going here. I'm not asking you. We're putting in this work. It is a freaking requirement. You want to play with me? You put in the work. On top of the work we've put in, we're going to go put in some more work. So what is the big difference in 2018? Putting in more work. The thing that I've been 
screamed at on social media for the last 48 hours. Apparently, more work equates to nothing, which is a staggering thing that I've had to defend against. It says, he'd come pick you up. Jordan was picking me up almost every morning for meetings because I didn't have a car out there, so he was going out of his way to pick me up every morning for meetings. Again, this is, this is the thing. It's not, and, and this is where it got to be for Rodgers. And, and, and again, he got to the point where, and this is why he likes Randall Cobb and these kinds of guys. He doesn't like being a babysitter. In his mind, I'm already great. I don't need extra work. I don't need OTAs. I don't need this stuff. So he looked to the coaches and said, you get them up to speed. I'm not dealing with this crap. And then he would show up. He'd go out there and do what he needed to do. And then when the guys weren't ready, he'd go, this is BS, man. These guys don't know what to do. I can't work with this crap. He's not at that point in his life anymore. And this is via Aaron Rodgers. I'm not at this point in my life anymore where I want to do this. I don't want to have to reteach guys and re-get everybody up to speed and all this stuff. Now, the, the problem is... That's never not going to be a thing. You're never going to be able to bring back all your favorite 2011 players in 2022 or 2021 or 2020. That's not a thing. There's always going to be guys that need leadership, that need this. And it takes a hungry football player, a hungry leader that says, you will put in the extra work, I will put in the extra work, all the extra work, and I will personally be there to pick you up to make sure you're there. He didn't pick Jordan didn't pick guys up because it helped him be a better player because it's not just about him and that's the point that's the other point I've been trying to get across to people. Well, Rodgers didn't need it. First of all, BS. But second of all, it's not all about Aaron. It's a team thing. Chemistry isn't an Aaron Rodgers thing. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to build chemistry. Yes, he does. What are you talking? Well, he's already the greatest. He what that that doesn't make sense. This is the thing. It's a and and I I went on this rant last year. This is a team sport. My whole thing, and I'm sure I ticked a lot of people off when I said it, Aaron Rodgers is cut out for golf. Aaron Rodgers needs to go find a thing where he can be great by himself because he's not that guy anymore that wants to be a part of this team where we work together for all of us to come together and be great. He doesn't want to be the rah-rah lions where we come together and tears are streaming down our face like, get out of here, dude. I'm too old for that crap. He's too old for the pep talks and all that. Like, I've heard it before. I've been there. Like, you know, the the magic and mystery and mystique and excitement and all that stuff that comes along with football, he's kind of over it. And look, David Bakhtiari probably is too. Like, I've been there. I've done that. Like, it's, it's whatever. Fine. But it just, it is what it is. The reality is we need it. And if you're saying you're not that guy anymore, that's fine. You don't have to be that guy. But don't get mad if my response to that is, then we need a new guy. But this is, this, is, this is what we've all been asking and begging for. And we're not even talking necessarily. I mean, there's been a couple notes here and there, but we're not even talking about Jordan Love being this elite thrower of the football. Like, I guarantee week one, he's going to carve up whatever team we're playing. It's not even talking about that. Because again, go back to 2020. Why did that team fail? It's not because of a lack of talent. It's, it, it, honestly, anybody that says Aaron Rodgers isn't good enough and that's why we need to move on is wrong. He is good enough. He wasn't on that day, though. And that goes for the rest of the team. The team is good enough, but they're never good enough when it's needed. And you can go back even again and and talk about things like, why are they always so bad after bye weeks? Why in 2019 were they so bad when they went out to Cali and they had to impose like curfews and then they changed the day they went out? It's because the team didn't have this mentality that they're talking about for the 2018 Utah State team. It was it was. A lot of young guys who were too focused on having fun and not enough people who wanted to go above and beyond. You had veterans 
who weren't necessarily in it for fun. They understood what it took to be serious, but they also weren't interested in the whole team building thing, right? Their mentality, Devontae, Bakhtiari, Rodgers, all those, all the older guys who are great football players, and I'm glad they're on the team. But the problem with them is their whole thing is, I'm good. I don't need anything. I got my routine. I put in my work. I'm ready to go. I do this. I do that. I know how to prepare. I'll be ready. Don't talk to me. I'll show up on game day. I'll be ready. So they're not interested in the team building side of it. The young guys are all, I think, as and to be honest, this may be a symptom of that. Because you don't have those guys bringing the young guys under their wings, what do the young guys do? They group off and do their own thing. We heard that even this past year where Dobbs and, and Watson and Samori Ture, what did they do? They sat over by themselves. Right? So what happens when the young guys get together by themselves? without any real leadership or, you know, guys watching over them, telling them how to do this, that, or the other. Rather, the, the, the only thing they're being preached to is about expectations. Hey, I expect you to be at this level. I'm not going to do anything to help you get there. I just expect you to be here. Well, you probably get guys going off acting stupid. Kevin King and Jair and that crew, I remember seeing a video of them just like hammered out of their mind, out by their trucks, acting stupid, and just thinking, you know, I mean, whatever. You want to have fun, but I'm, 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 I'm a little concerned because this doesn't seem like a hyper-focused group of guys with one thing on their mind. Anyways, continuing. He says, when was this? This whole like thing that they're talking about with picking me up for meetings and all that. And he says, going into that year, summer camp, that off-season. And that off-season, we didn't even travel home. We stayed at Utah State and worked out together, hit the field, ran together. We were even eating together. I mean, my goodness, this just mimics word for word what I've been saying. Down to the way you eat, when you eat, how you train, when you train. Everything is for a single, solitary purpose. And by the way, to all those people saying the only reason Jordan loves doing this is because he needs to get caught up. Number one, not a requirement. He doesn't need to do anything. He's choosing to put in the extra work. Number two, according to this, he was doing this at Utah State too. So the idea that this is just a one-time thing and he'll never do this again, probably not the case. It says, we were eating together. If I'm making breakfast, I'm making breakfast with five, six other people. That's how close we were. If I have to go to the store to buy steak, I've got to buy three or four packs of steak because there are five or six other people in the house too. We became a family. Even on Snapchat, iMessage, we've got the same group of people in there. We turned into a family. We ended up getting this ring. God will take you through hell to take you to heaven. Next question, is Jordan central to all this camaraderie? He said he was one of the leaders. He was voted a captain. He knew it was his time. He sat back, let Kent, the other quarterback, do his thing, and he was just waiting for his moment. Once he got his moment, he didn't look back. Follow-up. You said you didn't leave all summer in 2018? He said, we didn't go home after the spring. We stayed and we worked out. They had the weight room open so we could go in and work out. We did two-a-days which, by the way, is basically banned in the NFL unless you voluntarily go work out somewhere. But again, that's the point. The NFL says the team is not allowed to require you to do any of this stuff. That doesn't mean you can't go do it. That's the mentality these guys had. I'm putting myself through two-a-days. We did two-a-days. We'd throw. We'd get timing down on our routes with camp coming up. Every time Jordan has an NFL game close this way, he hits me up. Hey, can you make it to a home game? On the bye week, right before Christmas, when they played Miami, we hung out. Even last year, he came down. Bye week, we hung out. I was supposed to go to the Dolphins game, but I had car issues. He's my brother. I know he's going to do this his thing this year. Talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and about you know how how frustrating is it to not you know he doesn't he hasn't had his turn or whatever. And he said you know we all respect Aaron Rodgers. I do. Jordan does. But then he goes on to say, but once he got in, the offense clicked. The young guys, everything. Seeing them on one accord, everything was just good. That Philly game, they put up points. 
The point being, it wasn't clunky at all. Again, it took week 10 for the Packers to essentially get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. That isn't to say Jordan's better than Aaron or anything. I just want to illustrate how difficult it is to kind of get on the same page and make it look smooth and not clunky. Jordan Love had no preparation, comes in, not even the middle of the game, at the end of a game, and yet he and his guys, they look good. It looks smooth. It's not just from a standpoint of, oh, dang, Jordan looked good. It's from a standpoint of, this is freaking impossible. (laughs) This doesn't just happen. It's a good sign, but it's what Jordan strives for. It's what the young guys strive for, to be on the same page together as we're learning right now, because right now, they're out in California working on all this. Question was asked, how has he dealt with these last couple years? He says, Jordan has always been an underdog. When he first got to Utah State, he had to wait. He had to wait his turn. He got to Green Bay. He waited his turn. It's all about preparation and taking advantage of your moment, and he understands that. Preparation. Very important. He's been through much worse things in his life than waiting behind someone for an opportunity. Mentally, he's there. He doesn't let it get to him. The best quarterback I've ever played with. If I could go back and do it all over again, I'd do it again. He asked specifically, was there a play, a moment, a touchdown, a pass that still replays in your mind? What's your best Jordan Love memory on the field? He says, there were so many. We were throwing touchdowns back and forth. My favorite play from Jordan, it wasn't even throwing me the ball. It was when he shushed and put up his finger to the BYU crowd. Because when I first met Jordan, I wouldn't say uh, he was shy, but he didn't open up as much until he got real comfortable. I wouldn't say I made him comfortable, but the people he was around were outspoken. So he picked up on it. Once I saw him doing that, I was like, oh yeah, my boy turned into a dog now. He made me proud. Think about that, because that's how we view Jordan Love. He's a quiet guy. He's kind of reserved. Oh, do you know what I just got freaking chills thinking about? Oh. Packers, Bears. (laughs) Bears fans talking all that trash about Justin Fields being the guy about Jordan Love being a bust, about this franchise going to zero now that Jordan's taken over. Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love go into Chicago. Jordan Love beats the Chicago Bears. You want the most picture-perfect thing that could possibly happen? We beat the Chicago Bears on a Jordan Love run for a touchdown, and he looks into the stands and shushes the crowd. That is to say, shut your mouth when you talk about me. It's not over. Then he asked the question, he, he talked about, uh, you know, COC, the, the other wide receiver. Do you agree with him that there's some Pat mahomes type stuff to his game? Again, this is not an uncommon thing. He had been compared to him by many people. His answer was, if there's anything close to Patrick Mahomes, it would be Jordan. He's, mo- he's more mobile than Patrick Mahomes. The only things that separates them is that Patrick Mahomes has a couple of weapons around him, and he has more experience because he's been playing. He, uh, he has more experience. But when Jordan gets comfortable and can freelance and stuff like that, OMG, OMG. He says, I wouldn't even compare him to Mahomes. You're going to see some Jordan Love stuff. They're going to still talk about Mahomes, but they'll mention Jordan as well. He said, what should people expect this year with Jordan Love as the starting quarterback? He says, you're going to see an explosive offense, and the Packers are going to be hard to stop on offense. I'll tell you that. And he says, finally, did it bother you when people called him a bust? And he says, there will be people that lift you up and people who put you down. He's going to prove everybody wrong. They haven't seen anything yet. That's where the article ends. And yes, because I ripped off this entire article, I will encourage you um, to go check out Tyler Dunn. Obviously, I mean, you could have read this a week ago because that's when this came out. Um, I would encourage you to check it out. This This is the kind of stuff that he puts out, by the way. You can... 
read any article written by anybody. I don't want to put anybody else down, but it's it's news that anybody else can get and they just repurpose it or whatever. But actual in-depth articles with people behind the scenes, you got to come over here to go long. So it's uh, golongtouchdown.com. It's a sub stack. It's a subscription. Very, very cheap. Definitely. And there's, there's other articles on here that he's done about Jordan Love and everything else. It's worth the very little amount of money um, that it would cost to check this out. I just really wanted to take a piece of this because um, I really think it's important that we not just understand Jordan Love, because this is a, a clearly a biased opinion, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. The fact that he's kind of comparing him to Jordan Love, but in such a way that it's more like, or he's comparing him to Pat Mahomes, excuse me, but in such a way that it's like, yeah, Pat Mahomes is good, but Jordan Love's going to be better. It's kind of the vibe that you were getting. It's obviously biased. But on top of getting to know who he is, which we did just now, because he's obviously not lying about these things. It's about getting excited about the guy. Let's get to know him. Let's get excited about him. This is your quarterback. Let's get freaking fired up. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.